Here we go. You're listening to Rumination Thursday Law and Gospel on this October the 7th in the year of our Lord 2021. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. With me is Pastor Wes Reimnitz. How you doing, Wes? Oh, I'm doing fine. How are you doing? I'm doing real good, and especially in light of the fact that last week we were talking about a subject, namely, how should we as Christians deal with the COVID-19 pandemic? And then we received a letter from the office of the president, Reverend Dr. Matthew C. Harrison, where he's writing to the people of the LCMS about this subject. And nothing we had said last week contradicts what he says, but he gives some extra items to it. And I think they're well worth going over during this program. I I would agree. It's very orderly. You can tell there's detail of thought that went into it. You know, and I read through it. I also looked at some websites where they're less than reputable in their reporting. And uh, it it was refreshing to read ours and find that there's some facts and figures behind what we're talking about. Yes. In fact, as is the custom of President Harrison, he begins his letter with a Bible verse, John sixteen thirty three. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And then he gets into a kind of a paragraph where he indicates the difficulties that have occurred in individuals, congregations, and districts of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. We have 35 districts, which means like in Illinois, there's three districts, Southern, Central, and Northern. Each one has a president that is elected, and he would be over a, a number of congregations Uh, Sometimes, like in Texas, one of the largest districts, 200-plus congregations. And they have had some real problems, haven't they? Oh, yeah. In fact, the the three district presidents of the South, Central, and North have put together joint letters to the governor, and they've gotten the governor to relent a little bit when it comes to churches. So it's, it's been a little bit of a struggle with got to wear a mask, don't have to wear a mask, you got to have so many people in church, you can't have so many people in church, and and yet, you know, football stadiums are full, and, you know, things of that nature. Yes, he says the government intrusion into churches through various regulations attempted by states and municipalities across the nation has even resulted in attempts to regulate our sacred practice of Holy Communion, the Holy of Holies, where government has no place. This has been troubling. How do we reconcile what Dr. Harrison says with our understanding that we are to obey the government? 
Yeah, that uh, I wrote in my notes there. Acts five twenty nine verses Romans thirteen. Romans thirteen talks about how we should obey our government, but uh, as Doctor Harrison brings out, you know, uh, are they overreaching on the First Amendment right that we have according to the Constitution? And then he goes on to say we must obey God rather than man. Acts five twenty nine. Yes. And he promises to resist this increasing encroachment wherever and whenever I can. Because you have state regulations now that are actually putting parochial schools into uh, real danger. Uh, One of the worst things that's happening is that unless you have been inoculated, and we saw this last week with the governor, the new governor of New York, this woman who is pro-abortion, and she says we need to listen to the Bible that the vaccine that is to be given is a gift from God. And there are people who have a problem with the vaccine. What is that problem they have? Well, it's the aborted, for, for, for many of ours, it's the aborted cells were used in testing for that. Uh, fetuses from abortions. Now, he says that he had checked into the vaccinations he received, and that wasn't uh, true. And so is there a difference in vaccines? Well, <laughs> there, there is a difference in vaccines. Uh, there's there's uh, two lines from two babies that developed about uh, 36 to 48 years ago. And since that time, certain companies have used a, a genetically engineered from those those uh, two vaccine, uh, two aborted fetuses, which uh, I believe during the Bush years, Bush two, that they, they got them to, get, to really start switching, especially over to those uh, two engineered ones and not to use aborted fetuses. So, you know, there's been some progress on on the Planned Parenthood side, or the not Planned Parenthood, but uh, uh, Lutherans for Life and other various pro-life organizations. Yes, in fact, right? President Harrison says, I was present in the White House when President George W. Bush limited research to such lines ensured that no others would be taken from later or current abortions, and we give thanks for that. But there still are problems. Uh, For example, this was an interesting one. Our chaplains in the military, uh, the U.S. military, are being pressured increasingly by the homosexual agenda. And those chaplains who have conscientious objections to the vaccine mandate are now faced with the question of continuing to serve or leaving the military. And so far, free speech protections still remain, thank God. But this is a a new thing that we saw in last week's lesson with the New York governor indicating that many 
hospital personnel would be fired if they did not have the vaccine. Yeah, and what's interesting here is in his letter, he talks about, too, that uh, they looked at the legal uh, rights of, uh, of, uh, of the mandate for vaccination, and they've, they've shown that, uh, or they have found out that over the last hundred years, the government has won their cases on mandating vaccination. So it gets a little bit dicey in terms of how do you go about uh, challenging this. Yes, there's no doubt that Lutherans are not opposed to being vaccinated. Uh, Talk about what happened during the polio epidemic. Uh, Yeah, that goes back to when my childhood, of all things, uh, well, that's a hundred years Napoleon, ago. Yeah, at least. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we had we were mandated to go in and, and have polio vaccine, and I think one was a shot, and the second one was oral uh, vaccine, and we thought nothing of it uh, that it was really to protect us against polio that had had been an outbreak in the 50s and the 60s, and it was pretty much eradicated as a result thereof. Yes. He says that expected presidential mandates that force companies and nonprofits to release or terminate unvaccinated employees will be challenged legally from various directions. I believe, and so do others, he says, he writes, that such mandates for churches violate the free exercise clause of the First Amendment because they would force the termination of pastors and called workers in larger church institutions who refuse vaccination. Now, there are court challenges and Remember, we said last week the governor, the new governor of New York, she wants to get people vaccinated before the court has the opportunity to meet those challenges because it appears that there is a free will allowance for whether or not a person will take a vaccination regardless of their reason. And that seems like the government is intruding on that. Well, it's just not only intruding on it, they're they're trying to take a person's livelihood and occupation away from them if they don't uh, submit to to the vaccination. It's uh, it it really is a a problem problem I think too of communication. There's so much misinformation across across the internet. The internet's a great place to find good information. But it's also been a problem in finding bad information about uh, which is good because I told you about some of the sites that I perused that had had fake what I call fake news on it. Well, give me an uh, example of uh, fake news or bad information that you were reading. Well, they they said that they were in a in one instance they interviewed a so-called government worker who said that uh, 
in the hospitals, federal hospitals they work, that uh, the vaccine caused uh, um, yeah, heart attacks and and uh, all kinds of uh, illnesses, and that they had interviewed somebody from one of the major drug companies that said the, the drug was a, a fake drug. It, it was no good. It didn't didn't uh, vaccinate properly. So I mean, you you run across those those kind of things, and then to to follow up on those, I, I try and, and uh, Google or search for for uh, reputable uh, news sources, and they all claim that. Uh, that those were fake news or inaccurate and would right. show that that there, there were proper vaccinations. Now, he does say, I'd venture that the majority of Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod clergy are vaccinated. I know you are, I am. And then he says, I am. I've been saddened many times at the loss of personal friends including a number of pastors. What's he talking about there? Well, uh, of course, they are ones that, that uh, probably haven't been vaccinated. Right. And uh, they would claim under any circumstances you're not supposed to take the vaccines because of, I would think, because of the aborted cells. But... I don't know. You and I have taken those, uh, which were less intrusive vaccines yes. that were engineered. So uh, I'm not sure why why they are are uh, so drastically against this. But you know, once some pastor gets the idea that to be vaccinated is a sin, and then the president of the synod gets vaccinated then they lose their friendship with him. And he doesn't want to lose their friendship, but he had a loss of personal friends, including pastors. And we know how some pastors can get on a particular issue that really isn't clear from the biblical point of view and start being against other people who disagree with them. You know who it almost sounds like is that they're kissing cousins to the uh, Jehovah Witnesses they, with the blood transfers that they won't take or certain kinds of medicines. Well said. Yes, the Jehovah Witnesses believe that on the basis of certain ceremonial laws, which are no longer under in the Old Testament books, that therefore a blood transfusion is a sin. And I had a member whose sister was married to a Jehovah Witness. She had some heart surgery, and they did not think she would need a blood transfusion, but it became necessary. And her husband, because she was unconscious, refused to allow them to give her a blood transfusion, and she died. And that's really what we're dealing with. If there was a clear statement from Scripture uh, against something that these pastors were opposed to, I could understand where they would break friendship with other pastors who don't agree with them. 
but it is not clear from Scripture, and it's certainly, as you have pointed out, not clear that all of these vaccinations are due to uh, testing with uh, aborted babies. Right. And, and uh, you know, we do see doctors and research people as blessings from, from, from God. Uh, as as you, we pointed out earlier, the uh, Salk vac- vaccination for polio, which eradicated it, or the shot that, that people receive, children receive for the measles that, that vaccinate them against that. I mean, there's, there's, besides the ones that we're taking, there's all kinds of vaccines that have been good for our health. Yeah, he mentions that those who end up in the hospital increasingly are those who are unvaccinated, but still death occurs mainly among those with other health conditions. And we've found and read about that if you have a heart condition or diabetes or things like that, uh, this can also aid the various virus in really making you sick and even leading to death. But the death overall risk of death is still small. And then he mentions that my two sons and their spouses have all had COVID-19. Thankfully, they recovered well, but many have not been so fortunate. So he gives a personal testimony, too, uh, about what's happened in his own family. Right. And I, I've had that, too, in my, my family. My daughter-in-law caught it, and she was in quarantine away from the grandsons and, and her and my son, Peter, and she recovered real, real, real well. So, you know, it, it is uh, in, in our various families we, we encounter it. Yes. Yeah, and he mentions that he was able to obtain the vaccine that is less morally problematic, but still to some way is problematic. And he therefore says we give thanks no doubt that under President Bush, it's limited to aborted fetuses on medicine. We give thanks for that. But, and here's how he ends the letter, this remains an ethical quandary that has to be judged by each Christian conscience. I respect that. So does your church. And we want to be as helpful as we can. And then he has a whole list of documents that he asked to give our charitable attention to. And some of those documents are more accurate than what you found on the Internet. Oh, yes. I, in fact, I downloaded them, took a look at them, and I thought if, if I were asked to recommend a, a site to my son, go lcms.org, and, and uh, hunt up uh, COVID-19, and you, these will all come up. And be able to read them and then come to a more conscientious uh, position. He begins his letter with a Bible verse. He ends with one. Would you quote the Bible verse he ends with? Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. 
and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. First Thessalonians 5.23 And so the position of our church, which has not taken a position on this issue in conventions, is such that you should not go against your conscience. And what your conscience says not to take a vaccine that came about because of aborted children, we need to respect that conscience and that the church would respect your decision. And we want to still be as helpful as we can to help your conscience make a decision on the best available documents which he has listed here. And so it's not often that you get a personal letter from the president of the synod, but I I think this was well worth it. Oh, it was well said. It was well documented. And I think a a good resource for for us to give to fellow LCMS and for, for people out there. You know, looking at his Bible verses, I thought of another one that we could add there. Romans chapter 12, where it talks about the appeal to live as a living sacrifice. You go down to about verse 9. Let your love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another by showing honor. And then further down, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those, weep with those who we live in harmony with one another. I think that kind of fits into to what President Harrison was talking about. There's an example in the Bible where people had a conscience over something, and Paul says, no, we should not be arguing over that. And that was whether or not they should refrain from eating meat and just be vegetarians. And Paul makes a point that whether you're a vegetarian or not, that's up to your conscience. And therefore, those who are not vegetarians shouldn't be putting down those who are and vice versa, because this is an open question and it's not wrong to eat meat. Remember, Jesus says all food is good taking away the ceremonial laws against unclean food. And therefore, if somebody, though, has a conscience that they don't want to eat meat, that is their right, according to the Apostle Paul. You know, that's a good example you bring up. What comes to mind is what we really need to do is make sure that they keep their eyes and their focus on Jesus, who's the author and perfecter of our faith, who run the race for us. Yes. And so pastors who really think it's a sin to be vaccinated, I don't really believe they believe that. Because if I had a member in the congregation who I knew was sinning in some area, you would bring them under discipline and actually excommunicate them. And I know of no pastor, no matter what his views on the vaccination, that is doing that to any of his members. So they really don't consider it 
uh, a sin to be vaccinated, and that is something that needs to be thought of when we're dealing with this whole issue. Well, I agree. I, I think it's a matter of, of um, helping our people navigate through there because I, I know a couple of congregations that, that have struggled and they've taken various different lines uh, and trying to help their people uh, deal with this. But always uh, the, the center was how can we love them and, and care for them and give them the best possible advice. Yeah, my own home church has some practices where people are separated when they come to church by pews, but now they have also a, I believe it's a Saturday afternoon, where those who want to receive the Lord's Supper but not in a group setting are permitted to come to church and they receive the Lord's Supper privately. So there are ways that the church can continue its mission. All right. And the biggest biggest thing is to keep our eyes focused on where our salvation comes and believe in our Lord Jesus Christ, who's one of the forgiveness that all of us are facing. So if you have any questions about this, tomorrow is open mic. So you can phone uh, or email me and we'll be able to answer them. Till then, God bless you. Good morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.